0: One other thing, two other things, uh, Doug Pearson's preaching today, if you didn't know, uh, missionary to shoot everywhere in Asia at this point, uh, you know, uh, India, uh, Nepal, Vietnam. Cambodia, all the places, and so uh, he's actually preaching today. It'll be good to see him and Bethany. Um, Doug's one of the one of my favorite people. Um, just after spending time with him uh, on multiple trips to India, he's he's just a really good dude, and his wife is so sweet. So uh, it's exciting to hear from them today. One other thing, if you've heard or maybe you didn't know what was going on, so one of the uh, missionaries that we support and we have supported since Paige and I have came to HBF uh, is uh, Brian and Mindy Clark, uh, two uh, missionaries. London, right? And so Paige and I have actually been to London three times to go and do different things with them. Uh, And so, if you have heard, uh, they're actually back in the States. Uh, They had this big long plan to plant a church uh, in the borough that they lived in, and uh, they did. They planted a church, they established it, and then uh, they found a a local guy. uh, What do they call themselves? Native, but I was going to say Brit, but I don't think that's exactly what they call themselves. So, anyway, and, uh, so Paul Waller, uh, is now the pastor of that church. And so they've officially handed it off. Paul and Emba, uh, are leading that church. And so, uh, Brian and Mindy, uh, are back, uh, in the States, uh, for a little over a year. And so, uh, they've actually bought a house in Raytown just so they have a place to kind of land, uh, there, uh, after, uh, basically, um, The same thing, if you read the book of uh, Acts, the same thing that Paul did. They would go on a missionary journey, and then they would come back and uh, just kind of let everybody know how things went, right? And so they've been gone for a long time. Uh, A couple of their kids were actually born there, and I don't think Madison was, but maybe. Okay, well, anyway, they've been there for a long time, okay? and. they're, they're back. They're just kind of re- regrouping. Their oldest is in college or what they call university now. Um, and their youngest is, how old is, uh, yeah, he's, he's probably 10 or 11 at this point. So anyway, I say all that to say they're back, uh, in, in the states for a year or year and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see over this next year, year and a half, see Brian and Mindy several times, which would be super exciting. Um, they do have a plan to go back, uh, they're going to pick a different spot, whether it's a different borough in London or maybe Wales or something along those lines. And they're going to go back and do it again. But uh, just so you know, like, why are we supporting a missionary who lives in Raytown? Well, that's why, because they've given their life to missions and uh, they uh, we're not talking about you, Tyler. Tyler grew up in Raytown. And he's like, what, Raytown? I saw the little antenna perk up. So uh, uh, because he's uh they just found a place to settle. It's close to Midtown. It's close to Living Face Lee Summit, all, all the places. And so uh, that's the deal. If you hear anything about Brian and Mindy, they are going back. Everything's good. Uh, I can't wait to hear from them. So anyway, just wanted to throw that out there because there's, I've actually uh, wondered myself what exactly was going on. And now that I know, I wanted to kind of get some clarity. So anyway, if you have any questions about that, talk to... Well, Brady's their prayer team leader. You can talk to Brady. You can talk to Pastor Randy, He's the missions pastor, uh, anybody. So, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. So, with that, let's, uh, let's get rolling. Uh, we've already prayed. So, uh, I have a question for you. Because uh, we've been talking, we're working our way through First Corinthians chapter 15. You can flip over there if you uh, want to. We'll get there in a minute. But, um, Jesus asked His disciples, His disciples, what is the greatest commandment? Or, or, uh, or one of the disciples says, "What is, what is the greatest commandment?" Right, and uh, what did he say? Right, they asked him, what, "What's the greatest commandment?" You've given us a lot of things here, Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? And, and what is it that he said? Love the Lord your God. Right. Uh, basically, love God and love people. Right, and that's where Brian, you know, beats his drum. We got to love God and love people, and we do. That's correct, right? All the other. What is this? He says. uh all the other commandments hinge on these things, right? If we're not loving God and loving people, who cares if you're this, 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 and this, right? Does that make sense? And so I say all that to say um, we're talking about doctrine as we work through the last part of uh, 1 Corinthians. And we understand that you know there's a lot of things going on in 1 Corinthians 15. But if I was to ask you, because they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Okay, If I was to ask you, what is the greatest doctrine? Now, doctrine is a lot of things. Uh, doctrine is the things that we hold fast to. It is basically, uh, what we stand on. Uh, it's not just a teaching. It is, uh, a solid belief. It is, like, who we are. And I like it. <laughs> if I was to just blow past that and not say anything, it would have been more weird. I, I, looking good, man. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> What's the greatest doctrine? You know, we've got salvation, we've got uh, like, all the things. We've got the doctrine of our King James Bible, we've got all the different things. If I was to ask you, if there was one doctrine that you could hold fast to, that you could stand on, if like this is the one, what would it be? Salvation. Man, it's like crickets. It's not enough coffee can this morning. Trick That's not a trick question. <laughs> where like everybody thinks the obvious answer is this and you're like you're not wrong but <laughs> I mean that's just me okay so I'll, I'll give you a hint uh, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 which is it is the resurrection right it is the basically the the chapter of full mention full counsel on the resurrection Salvation is a, is a good thing, but salvation really isn't salvation. What are you getting saved from if there's no promise of a resurrection? Uh, all of the things that, uh, you know, it's really cool that I have a uh, King James Bible, uh, get into D2, you can really study into why we hold on to the King James Bible, all those things. It's really cool that I have a Bible that I can know that is, uh, the most pure translation that I can hold in my hand today. Uh, I promise that, uh, I would rather hold, uh, uh, i was going to say something i probably shouldn't have what is it uh, we call them a rubber hose like a whatever else you know it's not really a sword it's kind of like a limp hose but i'd rather i'd rather hold any other bible if it meant that i could at least have the resurrection right uh, i would rather all of those things everything that we do you know it's it's kind of like when jesus says all other things hinge on these two commandments love god and love people all other doctrines kind of hinge on the fact of the resurrection being true if the resurrection isn't true, then salvation really isn't salvation. Because what are you getting saved from? Right? If, if the resurrection isn't true, then who really cares what Bible version you use? If the resurrection isn't true, then do any of the other things really matter that much? Right? And that's actually what Paul's going to talk about as we continue on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, open there, and I'll get there as well. First Corinthians 15, let me just kind of read through the rest of this chapter and uh, not the rest of this chapter, I'm sorry, the rest of this portion. No, we're definitely not going through the rest of the chapter, uh, but I'm going to go through this portion and I'm probably not even going to get through as much of it today. But so he had just talked about he starts the chapter with, hey. Uh, Don't forget, you, you got saved by what we call the gospel. And that's what we talked about the last couple weeks. And the gospel is what? It is the death, burial, and resurrection. He, he basically says, hey, don't forget, that's what it is. And he, he's building upon what he's saying. And he's, there's no coincidence in the way he's going about what he's saying. And so he basically says, hey, don't forget that, you know, all hope you have is in the gospel. And the gospel is this, the death, burial, and resurrection. Right? And then he goes on to say, now let's talk about the resurrection for a minute. And, and why the resurrection is important. And then he finishes the chapter later on, and we'll get to it in a few weeks, on what exactly the resurrection looks like. Right? And so, in this portion of what we're gonna look at, he's gonna basically say, this is why the resurrection is important. Right? And so, and then he's gonna finish it up with, okay, now let's look at Okay, now we know why it's important. Let's look at where exactly does your body go? Where exactly does your uh, soul go? Where exactly does your spirit go? And all these different things. And we will get into all that. He breaks all that down as we go through it. But he just got done basically saying the death, burial, and resurrection, the, the gospel is what is important. Now he gets to verse 12 and he says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, that is the resurrection, right? How sayeth it some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom uh, he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, yet ye are yet in your sins." Then they which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And in this life only have we hope in, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But, verse 20, now is Christ risen from the dead. He's like, okay, I'm done with the hypothetical talk. Uh, if you're gonna tell me that it didn't happen, then this is what it, that would mean. But we know that it did happen, and so this is what that means. He says, but now Christ, uh, now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man is made in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. I'm sorry, but every man is his uh, in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, after they that are uh, Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he uh, shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even to the Father, whom shall... Uh, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath uh, put all enmities under his feet. The last en- uh, enemy, I'm sorry, enemies under his feet, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But, while, uh, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is, ma- it is manifest uh, that he is uh, accepted which did put all things under, uh, under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, uh, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be in all. I'm going to stop there, because we're definitely not going to get that far, and then we get into this uh, baptism from the dead, and I don't want to get anybody confused. And so let's just... Uh, we're probably not going to get that far, but let's just, let's just stop there. And so, I want to take a little bit of time. Today's going to seem a little bit different. Today's going to be a little bit what I would call maybe teachy on the side of things. Uh, We're going to get into some of the things that uh, you're going to get if you uh, have taken D2 or if you're going to take D2, some of those kinds of things. But I also uh, don't like to just skip over anything because, like, oh, well, that's that's a higher level teaching. You should take this class to get it. Uh, This is what we're teaching through right now, and so I'm going to tell you. It may seem a little high level, and if you want to slow down a little bit and get into it, I encourage you to take D two, but we're not just going to like skip over what that means. And so, when he's talking about, before we even just dive into this, the resurrection of the dead, what in the world is he talking about? Like, what what does that even mean? Like, when you hear that, the resurrection of the dead, what does that mean? Zombies. Zombies. (laughs) I mean, it could, um, uh, but I don't think so. Uh, I know you're kidding. So. We read that and we think, I don't know what that means. Okay, so there's only been uh, a couple people in the history of time that resurrected without dying, right? Um, Enoch was one. It says that he walked with God and he was not, right? Um, and that might be the only one that I can think of off the top of my head. What? Is it Elijah? Uh, uh, yeah, Elisha. Yeah, Elijah. It was Elijah. It was not Elisha. It was Elijah, and then Elisha was following at that point. There was two. Yes, you're correct. Um, but anyway, for the most part, to be resurrected, meaning to be raised up with Christ, we understand that heaven is where it is up. Uh, you know, first, second, third heaven. Get into D2. We can talk about all those things and what all that means. But uh, to be resurrected is to be with Christ. Okay, so. What has to happen before you're going to be resurrected? Unless you happen to be the third that just happens to to walk with God and are not. You're going to have to die, right? Okay, so that's what it's talking about, the resurrection of the dead. And so when we talk about the resurrections, one of the things we look at in D2. And I just want to explain this on the front end. That way we can get into what Paul's talking about here. Somebody has to die. Before they're going to be resurrected, okay? And so when we one of the things we look at in D2 are what we call the seven resurrections. I'm not going to go through all of them because uh, it doesn't really matter right now. Uh, but I will take you through the few of them, and I'm just going to give you an overview. If you want all the verse references and all the all the proof verses and all that stuff, uh, jump into D2, and I can get you all that. But I'm just kind of trying to explain it to try to give you a little bit of an understanding so we can move into what we're talking about. So the first person that was ever resurrected was who? I mean other than Enoch and Elisha. but meaning uh it, it would have been the huh no but he wasn't risen it would have been Jesus Christ himself right he would have been the first person that was resurrected uh after the death of himself right and you know Paul talks about it in the Romans how, how as somebody you know, there's not going to be a new testament without the death of a testator so he has to die the first resurrection he even talks about that uh, was one of the things we just read through was Christ would have been the first one. He was the first fruits of the resurrection, right? Now, after Christ resurrected, what happened? There was another resurrection. We call it the resurrection of the Old Testament saints, right? So meaning those who... Now, again, this is going to get maybe kind of confusing. Different dispensation, different uh, way God was dispensing His grace throughout time. But in the Old Testament, uh, it wasn't like it is now. To get to heaven now, what do you have to do? It's pretty simple. Believe, believe by faith, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, right? It's, it's the gospel, right? It is, it is as simple as it's ever going to be, ever has been, and is ever going to be, okay? Right now, you are living in the, the best time period to be in the kingdom of God, okay? It was different in the Old Testament. It was kind of like most of the world wants to believe it is now, whereas if I just do enough kind of good works and I do enough holy things, then I will be judged by my works and uh, I will then have entrance into God's kingdom, right? That's kind of how it worked in the Old Testament, right? We, we, even all throughout the Old Testament, it was uh, this king was a good king, he did what was right in God's eyes, this king was a bad king, all of those things. So anyway, anybody who was what we would call a saint in the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints, when they die, they don't immediately go to heaven. Why? Well, they can't. Jesus hadn't lived yet, right? And so, even the best person in the Old Testament still had sin in their life, right? Even the best person who lives today still has sin in their life, okay? So, without someone to wash away their sin, they have no entrance into the kingdom of God, right? the spiritual kingdom that, that that God has in place. Okay, So where did they go? An Old Testament saint would die, and then we find out later in the New Testament, when Jesus is explaining this, that they would go to a place. Where was it called? Abraham. Abraham's bosom. It is basically a holding place. People don't like to hear this, but it is uh, one side of hell, right? Hell is just simply a holding place. Now, you can go back and read where Abraham's bosom was not, what we would think of when we think of hell, it was uh, not a bad place. Now, there was on the other side of the great gulf, not things good happening. Go back and read the story of Lazarus and uh, that whole thing. And, you know, the rich man is telling Lazarus, man, just I just need a, a drip of water. And, you know, it didn't work that way. So anyway, Old Testament saints, they are in it. They were not now. They were in a holding place called Abraham's bosom. Once Christ died, was buried and rose again. What was one of the first things that happened after that? He went down and led what he says he led captivity captive. This would have been the second resurrection. He went down to Abraham's bosom and all of the Old Testament saints at that point were resurrected to the kingdom of God. Right. That is the second what we would call resurrection. Now, again, I'm not going to go through all of these because it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm going to get you up to our current time. You want to hear about what happens in, you know, the the end times and all the prophecy. Okay, we'll get into all that in D2. i are not trying to like get everybody confused. But I'm trying to get you caught up to where we're at, okay? Why couldn't the Old Testament saints if they had lived a holy enough life to get there? Why couldn't they have went there as soon as they died? Cuz Christ, had- Christ, the blood of Christ hadn't hadn't come. The blood of Christ was not only for you who were going to sin after he died on the cross. The blood of Christ was enough for everyone before who lived currently and anybody who will live after, right? The blood of Christ was for all of them. The blood of Christ was for those. They may have lived a holy enough life to <clears throat> get in through a different dispensation of grace, but yet they still needed the blood of Christ to cover the unknown sin, all of that. Okay, so that's the second resurrection, Old Testament saints. Okay, well, we don't live in the Old Testament, so what about us? The The next resurrection would be what it talks about the church age saints, right? We have hope. First Thessalonians talks about the blessed hope of Christ, right? What happens when we die? We have hope that we're not just like in the abyss. I have hope that when I die I'm going to we can go to heaven and uh you know be with be with Christ. We know that when somebody uh, that is uh, a brother or sister in Christ dies, there's uh, obviously grief and the fact that they're not here with us anymore, but there's peace in where they're at, right? Why? Because the blood of Christ has taken care of that, right? Now, I will say this. There are some things throughout all of this that, that there's still questions, right? There's still things that I wonder. They're like, a, But what if, and how does this play out? And so here's one of them, because I, I, people ask me this all the time. We die, so say say, I roll out of here today, and uh, I have a heart attack i don 't know, I sure hope not, but uh, whatever you know i haven 't eat, eaten near enough cheeseburgers in my life to be having a heart attack, but i 'll just anyway uh, so, so say something happens, okay, I have hope that i 'm going to be with Christ for eternity. does that make sense okay i 'm going immediately i 'm going to be with Christ, so one of the questions that I have that i can 't completely put my finger on is. I know that I don't get my glorified body or uh, basically any of that until the judgment seat of Christ. And I know that doesn't happen until after the rapture. So there's a time frame between if I was to die today and when the rapture happens. How does that work? I'm present with Christ. There's no doubt in my mind. But how exactly does, does some of that play out? I'm just telling you, I don't have the exact answer to how exactly that plays out. Because I don't get my glorified body until after the judgment seat of Christ. We'll get to what that means in a minute. But that's the second, that, that would be what we would call the third resurrection. Anybody who we know has, in the New Testament, is, anybody in the New Testament who dies, we know is immediately with Christ, right? There's, there's peace in that. I am with Christ. It's going to be that way. And then the fourth and the last one that we're going to talk about, because this is the one that uh, we just, we think the most about, because it makes the most sense in the, the season of life that we're in, uh, it will be the resurrection of the rapture of the church. If Christ was to uh, say enough is enough, meaning the last Gentile gets saved, the fullness of the Gentiles, a lot of big phrases. But anyway, whenever whenever the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, meaning the last person who is going to get saved gets saved, the rapture of the church happens. We are at that point. Beam me up out of here, Scotty. Right, we're we're headed up, right, and we're going to meet Jesus in the clouds. That is in a form of a resurrection. Okay. So all these different things all lean back to one thing. The fact that we believe that Jesus not only died, everybody dies, not only was buried, pretty much everybody who dies gets buried, but the fact that he did something that nobody else ever has, and he resurrected, right? He defeated death, and we have peace in that through the gospel that that happens for us as well. And I just basically kind of very quickly rolled through, this is how it's happened up until the point that we are alive, okay? So Paul is like... So why is there confusion about this? Because this is a letter to a church in Corinth who had a lot of things kind of messed up. And he's like, okay, so there's some false teaching in the church that's saying there is no resurrection of the dead. And let me just explain to you that if there wasn't a resurrection that you're talking about, this is what that would mean, right? This is what that would mean. And so that's kind of what I want to spend the rest of my time talking about is this is what Paul, he, he spent all that time talking about. If the resurrection isn't really true. What does that mean for you? And so I've kind of got five things today that basically, if there is no resurrection, then these five things. You can phrase it however you want. But if, if there is no resurrection, then these five things are basically going to be true in your life. And Paul just kind of rolls down through them and then we're going to get into, you know, because he's done talking in hypotheticals, basically, and starting in verse 20. He's like, okay, but it is. There was a resurrection. It's very true, and this is what that means moving forward. So, in verse 12, let's just kind of work our way through this. So, if there was no resurrection, he says, Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, that's what we just talked about. If if the gospel is true, what we talked about through uh, verses 1 through 11, if the gospel is what you're holding to, a couple weeks ago, I was like, hypothetically, I'm a lost man. Explain to me why I need what you have. Right? And everybody's like, well, you know, salvation and the death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm like, okay. And I even said this. I don't remember exactly how I said it, but basically, if we're going to convince the lost world that they need what we have, then we've got to find a way to articulate to them that we have what they need. Or there's always going to be this great gulf of, okay, hey, you're the, you're a Christian and I'm not. And when I'm okay with that, right? So, the same thing, if, if I'm a lost person, explain to me why the resurrection is really that important to you. And that's kind of what Paul's trying to do here. He says, now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Right? If you're going to hold fast to the death, burial, and resurrection that Christ died for your sins and that you're born again, then how are there going to be people in the church that are like, yeah, but there's no resurrection of the dead? What, what, that doesn't even make sense, is what Paul's basically trying to say. He's like, there's no, there's no backbone to your argument. And he's like, let me give you a few reasons why. Verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Okay, well, that's a problem, right? If your doctrine, if, if the greatest doctrine that you have in, in the church is the resurrection, and, you, and you're going to tell me that there's no resurrection of the dead, then here's what that means, that Christ is not risen, And so here's the first thing. If there's no resurrection, then this is what that means. What he just said, this is what that means. That means that your God is dead. The person that you're putting your eternity in the balance of is a dead man. That's a problem, right? That's a problem. The the thing that Christianity has that no other religion in the world has is that we believe in a God who is alive, right? Uh, Islam puts all their faith in, uh, basically they say Allah, but it all boils back to a guy named Muhammad, who is very much so dead, right? Uh, go look at, uh, Eastern religions, and, uh, you get into, like, the different Zen types of things, and Buddha, and all these different things. It's all about a guy who lived at a certain time, but now is no longer alive. The thing that Christianity has that none of those do is I believe that Christ, yeah, he did die, but he did something that none of those other guys did. He defeated death. And basically what Paul's trying to say is if you're going to tell me that there's no resurrection, then here's what that means. That Christ is not risen. And let me go further and try to explain to you what that means. That means that your God is dead. That's a problem. You're you're putting all of your faith in in somebody that's basically as good as you are. Well, that's That's not much, if you're asking me, because I'm not that good, okay? If there is no resurrection, he says, then Christ is not risen. He goes on to say in verse 14, And if Christ be not risen, let me explain to you what that means. If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Here's the next thing. If there's no resurrection, not only is your God dead, but what you believe is a lie. Right? That's what, that's what he's saying. You are one of the strongest churches in the history of time. He's talking to the church at Corinth right now. And there's some of you that believe that uh, God isn't even real at this point, And everything that you've believed up to this point is a lie. It's basically what he's trying to tell them. He says that if Christ is not risen, then is our preaching vain? What are you preaching about? Uh, nothing good, right? And he says that your faith is also vain. There's nothing to hold to. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing substantial in what you believe. What you believe is a lie. Now, you might say, well, this is what the lost world tries to tell us every day. You try to share the gospel with somebody, and they're like, yeah, you believe that, but I don't. I mean, we're the only people who believe in something that is bigger than somebody who lived and died, right? I believe in something that is bigger than that, something that actually changes lives. I, You know, people ask you, "So, so show me proof. That Jesus is real. And I'm like, okay, well, um, I used to be like this and I'm not anymore. I sure didn't have the power to do that. Uh, I can list a whole lot of people in my life that used to be like this and through the power of something bigger than them are like this now. Not because maybe even they wanted to, but just God changed their life. Uh, if that's not proof, the, the proof in a testimony is bigger than anything that you're going to, to give me out of a book or anything else, Right? The proof of something that you can actually hold on to. And what Paul's trying to say is, if Christ didn't resurrect, then none of that matters. Right? If if the only hope that you have is to live a good life now, well, fast forward to the end of what we're going to talk about, we are all men most miserable. If the only hope you have is hoping that you can be good enough, man, I'm sorry, but uh, I don't know why anybody goes to the Catholic Church or any of the works-based salvation churches because... We're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. The only hope that I have is that I can put my faith in something that I didn't do, but somebody else did. Does that make sense? I can put my faith in something that's already happened, not something that I hope I can achieve throughout my life. Because, I don't know about you, but generally what happens in my life is the things that I want to achieve the most, I just fall short of, just a little bit, every time. Because we're not perfection, Christ is. He says that if Christ be not risen, our preaching's vain and our faith is also vain. In verse 15 he says, Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up. If so be that the dead, not, the, the dead rise not. He says, okay, so your God's dead. What you believe is a lie. And uh, on top of that, everything that you've said to anyone about what you believe is a lie as well. So now not only uh, has the the, the the shade been pulled over your eyes, but now you're trying to pull it over everybody else's eyes as well. Your God's dead, what you believe is a lie, and now you are a liar. Paul's like, okay, if it's not just enough to believe that, okay, he's not resurrected and he's not really anything more than just a mortal man, and uh, basically everything that we believe is not true, but we're trying to go out and tell everybody else that, this crazy thing happened even though we have no assurance in it. If somebody wants to tell you, how do you know that Jesus is God? It's the fact that he resurrected when no other man in the history of time could. Now, again, we understand that Enoch and Elijah both did, but it wasn't in their own power. It was the fact that God brought them up. They are a type of the church in the, in the Old Testament of the church getting raptured out, okay? If there's no resurrection, God's dead, what you believe is a lie, and you're a liar as well. That doesn't bode well, well, for Christianity as a whole. Right? You take the resurrection out, and now, like, oh, I've got salvation to hold on. Salvation of what? To die and be buried? A lost man can get that. We have to have hope in the resurrection. And Paul's like, I don't understand how there's people in the church that are trying to tell people, yeah, this resurrection thing, I'm not so sure about that. I'm sorry, that's a problem Paul hasn't even got to why it is true He's just saying if it's not true Hey, here's some reality for you If, what, if, if Christ didn't really Raise from the dead Didn't really defeat death Then uh, all those assurances you thought you had uh, Sorry, God's dead What you believe is a lie You're an outright liar To so everybody who you're trying to tell is the truth Now he's saying this to the church at Corinth These people thought they were pretty smart if you go back and study the church at Corinth, they were very learned people. They thought they were pretty smart in the ways of the world, right? And so for him to be like, not only have you been lied to, but now you're out lying to everybody else, they're like, that's a smack to their ego. They're like, what do you mean? You know, that's like trying to tell somebody who's smarter than me that, hey, you're wrong. They're like, what do you mean I'm wrong? I'm just telling you you're wrong, right? That's what he's He's, he's using their argument against them. He goes on in verse 16. says for if the dead rise not then is Christ not raised because that's what they're well well, maybe Christ resurrected but there is no resurrection after Christ he's like wait a minute Christ died and he resurrected he for if the dead rise not then is Christ not raised and if Christ be not raised your faith is in vain you're yet in your sins oh that's a problem that's a large problem if Christ didn't die or if Christ didn't resurrect then uh, you're still dead in your sins the fourth thing that happens if there is no resurrection is you're no different than the world. And that's a problem for Christians. Because that's, what, that's, that's our claim to fame, man. We're not like you. We're not of this world. We've got t-shirts that say it and bumper stickers and all the other stuff, right? We are different than you. If there's no resurrection, then you're no different than the people you work with. You're no different than your family that's lost. You're no different than your neighbors that you can't stand to be around. You're like, oh my gosh, those ungodly people. If if Christ didn't, if if Christ didn't resurrect, you're no different than them. You might live a self-righteous lifestyle. Well, I go to church. Okay. Doesn't mean anything because you're still dead in your sins. If He didn't raise, then you're still dead in your sins. The fact that He defeated death all came through the resurrection. Right? You're dead in your sins if that's not the case. He's using this argument to the church at Corinth because he's like, man, you guys are pretty smart. How did you get here? Right? Have you ever run into somebody like that in the world? And it's like, I know you're way smarter than I am, but I don't know how exactly you got to the point that you're at right now. But like, I'd rather be me than you, right? Because uh, I don't know what's happening right now, but a uh, little, I don't know. It, it's just a problem. He's, this is, this is not good. You're no different than the world. That's a, that's a Christian's like claim. We are different than the world. We live differently. We're we're more uh, righteous because we have Christ. All of these different things. Paul's like, without the resurrection, you might you, you might as well be with them because you're not against them. Like right? you, you're one of them. You're dead in your sins just like they are. You're just a self-righteous dead sinner, right? Well, guess what? If I had to choose between the two, if there was no resurrection. And I'm like, I can either die a self-righteous sinner, or I can die a sinner that had, like, all the fun that I could in this life. I'm just gonna tell you which one I would probably choose. Right? I didn't get saved because I was like, I didn't really love the lifestyle that I had. I thought I liked it. I got saved because Christ called me to something better. Does that make sense? And so if being called to something better doesn't have an eternal promise tied to it, then what's the point? You're self-righteous. You're what the Bible calls a whited sepulcher, right? You look really awesome on the outside. Guess what? You've still got spiritual heart disease. And guess what comes with that? Death. And then eventually the lake of fire. That's a problem, right? That's what happens to a lot of, I don't really have time, but this is what happens to a lot of quote-unquote church kids that grow up in the church, right? Uh, They've got Christian parents. Being a first-generation Christian is really easy because... God can grab a hold of you and, uh, change your life and be like, hey, at least you don't have that anymore. I can always look back to what I was and be like, yeah, I definitely don't want that. Right? I definitely don't want that. A second generation Christian and on, it's really hard because you grow up in the church and it's like, this is all I've ever known and, and all the, so a lot of times that's what, that's what happens to quote unquote church kids. They're just white and sepulchers. They look right on the outside, but they've got this spiritual heart disease that's just messed up. They need, they need Christ just as bad as somebody who was out there living like hell. It happens, right? Well, guess what? I've seen Christ save all of them, so it happens. You're no different than the world. And the last thing that there is if there's no resurrection in verse 18 and 19, he says, Then they which are fallen asleep in Christ or perished, meaning anybody that we thought we had hope when we went to their funeral and we're like, yeah, we get to see them in heaven. Well, guess what? That's not true either. When it says they're fallen asleep, means they've died in Christ, meaning they were saved, apparently, when they died. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. The last thing that you have if there's no resurrection is uh, there's no hope past right now. There's no hope past right now. It's awesome to know that I serve the living God. It's awesome to know that, uh, when I minister to people, it might not be easy, it might not be convenient, but I'm serving, God's getting the glory for all of it. All of those things, right? You have peace in the fact that I'm doing what God called me to do. All those things. Those are all great things. You know what really gets me, uh, going when times get hard? You know what really gets me, uh, keep, keeps the, the, the wheels on the train turning when it seems like there's just No purpose in it. It's the fact that there's eternity with Christ. And it's like, okay, if I'm promised that, I guess I could, you know, probably at least give him everything I've got in this life, which is like a vapor. Even when I don't want to, even when it's hard, even when it's like, it doesn't seem like there's any hope or purpose in what I'm doing, and the people that I try to minister to don't care, and all of those things. Do we give up? No. Why? Because, like, I'm promised eternity. And God said, hey, since I gave you that, do you think Romans 12:1 and 2, you could at least you know give your life to me now? And it's like, oh yeah, I, I could probably do that. That's my reasonable service. That's the least I could do. But if there's no resurrection, then guess what? There's no hope past right now. There's no hope past, well, I guess I'll do what I want to do right now, because you know, I'm not promised tomorrow, and well, if I die and there's no hope past that. What Paul's trying to say is, if there's no resurrection, who cares? What's the point in doing what you're doing? If you don't believe that there's going to be a time when you will stand face to face with Christ, and it won't be on this earth, I promise, that will not be the case. If you're a Christian, you're raptured out of here. Okay? It, It won't be here. So if you don't believe that you're going to be resurrected, what's the point in like getting up on a Sunday morning? But what's the point in living less of ourself? It's because Jesus called us to. Okay, but I get that, but it's because there's hope in the resurrection. There's hope in the fact that Jesus didn't just die, and he just wasn't buried, but he did something that nobody else ever could. And it's like, oh. Oh, and by the way, you know, the song says, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave... That's the same power that lives in you. That's the same power that gives you the ability to go talk to your neighbor that you're scared to talk to. That's the same power that gives you the ability to go do whatever it is he's called you to do. The same power that like broke him out of the grave is the same power that you have living inside of you. Maybe that would get your fire going a little bit. He says, if there's no hope in the resurrection, there's no hope at all. But, we'll get to next week. He says, but, verse 20... But it was true. And so because it was true, now let's look at what that means, right? And that's what we're gonna get into, uh, next week. We'll get into that next week and then, uh, after that, however long it is, we'll get into what exactly the resurrection looks like, okay? Body, soul, spirit, died before Christ, died after Christ, died, uh, how does this all play out? Rapture, like, he, he explains the whole thing at the end of the chapter, okay? And so we'll get into all the details of that at some point. The greatest doctrine is the resurrection. Without the resurrection, there's no hope. Make sure you understand that. I don't think I'm talking to anybody that's like, well, I didn't really believe there's a resurrection. But one of the strongest churches of the age had people in it that didn't believe it. Right? And you know what he says about it? I think this is a really fun phrase. You can just pray about what this means. In verse 33, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That's what he has to say about that. Think about what that means because that's, uh, that's his way of saying, well, think about what that means. But that's not a compliment is what he's, uh, how he's wrapping up his argument. Uh, evil communications corrupt good manners. doesn't matter how good you live. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how good you talk. It's all got to go together. Anyway, let's pray. We'll get out of here. Uh, go shake Doug Pearson's hand. He's a really awesome dude. And so uh, it will be a good time this morning. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. Thank you for just loving us. I thank you for the resurrection and the hope that's in it. Uh, the fact that I don't... Uh live for, I don't serve, and I'm, I'm not willing to die for anybody other than a living God, and that's Jesus Christ. And so God, thank you for uh, giving us a way and being the way uh, so that we can show other people uh, what we have and how that they need what, we, what, you, what you are willing to give them. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, as we talk about some of these things that sometimes can get confusing and we're talking about resurrections uh, before Christ and after Christ and raptures and all these different things, I pray that it's not confusing stuff lord but it would be stuff that like as we look at from a big picture we would see that only a perfect god with a perfect plan could have worked things out and orchestrated them exactly the way that you did Uh, none of this could have happened by chance it was only through um, a plan from the beginning and so instead of being confused about things like this i pray that we would just find peace in the fact of your perfection and that we would just, uh, be fired up to serve you because of it. Pray you send us out this week as lights in a dark world that you get the honor and the glory for all of it. Uh, just, uh, pray for, uh, the team that's coming back from Dominican tomorrow. Keep them safe as they travel. Uh, thank you for just a great report. I pray for the, the young Christians who, uh, just, uh, gave their, uh, life to you over the past week that you would just, uh, use, um, Lee and Heather, uh, as a, as a light in the church in Valiente to, uh, just, uh, be, uh, light to, a uh, dark country. So I pray that you would would uh, preach through Pastor uh, uh, Doug today, that you would uh, just uh, give us something that we can go out and hold on to. In Christ's name, amen.